0: welcome everyone good friday two thousand and twenty two we want to welcome those of you watching online as well um, before we uh, before we take communion tonight by the way at the end of service i'm going to call the worship team back up and we're going to, we're going to be receiving communion together so if you did not receive uh, or grab a communion table uh, cup when you came in uh, they're going to be on the back tables uh, right outside these back doors back here at the black cloth so if you if you need one oh do you have the Oh, you have them there, Jim. So if you need one, just go ahead and raise your hand. I was just going to tell you to go grab one, but just raise your hand and keep it up, and and he'll come around and and grab you. I think we have just a couple of them, a couple of you in here. Um, We also, when you leave tonight, we're going to have our ushers at the back doors. And if you would like to give an offering, uh, 100% of the offerings that we give tonight, we typically do this on Good Friday and then um, Christmas Eve as well. It's kind of a special offering. 100% of the offering that's given tonight is going to go towards the outreach ministries uh, here at Green Bay First, primarily... The purchase of another bus. One of our buses is out of commission. We're going to have to get rid of it. It's actually it's cheaper to actually purchase another one, because we can get a new one for another one for about thirty five hundred dollars, uh, than it is to uh, repair this. So um, so we're going to be sending that one to the junkyard, and we're going to be uh, purchasing another one here. Um, so uh, anyway, on on Wednesday nights right now, all of our buses are currently four, full, all, all four of them, and um, we have. Anywhere from 220 to 240 people here now on Wednesday nights. And we're just, we're just scratching the surface of what that thing is going to be. And so, yeah, that, that is a reason to celebrate. Both the kids and the youth have outgrown their current space. We actually have the youth in here now because they outgrew their space downstairs. The kids are in the old chapel because they outgrew that room. So it's a great problem To have my goal is to to replace that in the spring here shortly within the next couple months sand it and paint it this summer and then come September we're ready to roll. Uh, We could actually use two buses, but I'm just I'm going after the one for right now. We could also use a new uh, truck for our food pantry. So we have a lot of needs right now. So anything that you give tonight is going to go directly towards reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's the good thing: I had a, a gentleman approach me before service, and he said he said whatever comes in tonight for the offering, he said, I will match it. 100%. 100%. So everything that you give tonight, this is a big, that's a big deal. Everything that you give tonight's matched dollar for dollar. So if you give, if you give uh, $10, it becomes uh, 20. If you give 50, it becomes 100. Uh, if you give a million, it becomes two. Uh, now, <laughs> whoever told me that, I think just passed out. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, God bless you. So the ushers will be at the back doors uh, when you leave here tonight. And 100% of this is going to go to our outreach ministries man if we could cover the entire cost of that thing in one in one service it would keep my blood pressure down thank you for helping keep your pastors blood pressure down well let's get started the atmosphere is a little bit different tonight as we remember the darkest day in human history We call it Good Friday not because it was good for our Lord and Savior, but because it's good for us. Because of the price that he paid, we can be forgiven. We can be set free. This message tonight's not going to be your typical Good Friday message, but rather I'm going to bring a message to you tonight that I really felt like God was impressing upon my heart to share with you. So with that being said, I'm calling this message tonight, and I'm not going to speak as long as I normally do. Please don't amen that. But I'm calling this message tonight, The Tale of Two Basins. Let's pray. Father, for the next few moments, I just ask that you would give me your anointing, that you would give me the mind of Christ. God, I believe I have a very important message to share with your people today that you've laid upon my heart. And so, God, I just pray as we come and we gather here together tonight in remembrance of that dear sacrifice that you paid, I pray that your spirit would be present in this room I pray, Lord, that this message would challenge us, that it would change us, that we would leave this place tonight different than when we walked in. That will only happen if you anoint these words that I say. And so, Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. In the final days leading up to the death of Jesus on the cross, we see that there are two basins that are mentioned in Scripture. Now, if you don't know what a basin is, a basin is a bowl or another container that's used for washing. I have two of them up here on the stage tonight. Although the basins look the same, what they're used for is much different. And I believe that the story of your life and the story of my life can be told with two basins. And the question for you tonight is, which basin are you using? Two basins, but you can only use one of them. So let's first talk about basin number one. This basin is known as the basin of neglect. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 15, here's what we read. It says, Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they had had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas, So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Who do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him, Jesus. They had delivered Jesus up. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. Verse 20. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor again said to them, which of these two do you want me to release for you? And again they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? They all said, let him be crucified. And he said, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Let him be crucified. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and he washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And the people answered, His blood be on us and our children. Then he released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus... He delivered him to be crucified. Now, I want to set the scene and give you a little background on what happened up to this point, which we just read. After Jesus is arrested initially, he is brought before the religious council, the Sanhedrin, which is the Jewish ruling council. This group consisted of the chief priests, the Jewish elders, and some of the teachers of the law. So it was like your religious elite now Jesus, this is the, these are the people that Jesus, is at con- he was constantly at odds with. The religious people are the ones that hated him and they wanted him dead. So they arrest him and we see in Matthew chapter 26 that they try to find witnesses. So they go out and they're searching for people that would be willing to come and even lie if they have to, to bring up charges against him so they would have an excuse to put him to death. Finally, two men step forward, and they say this in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 61. This man said, they're talking about Jesus, Jesus said, I'm able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. So the high priest took that, and they ran with it. This was the only charge they could raise against Jesus, and even this was a lie because Jesus never said that. Jesus said, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. So they twisted his words, but again they were looking for anything they could find to get rid of him. After some questioning, Jesus, before the Sanhedrin, remains silent. He says nothing to defend himself. Finally, the high priest gets to the point and he asks Jesus if he is the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus responds with a yes. And when he says yes, the place goes nuts. They instantly attack him. They begin to spit in his face. They punch him and they slap him. Now while this is going on and Jesus is being flogged, Peter, his disciple, disowns him and Judas hangs himself. We're going to talk more about that on Sunday when we talk about the tale of two trees. Now the religious leaders, even though they wanted him dead, they didn't have the authority under Rome to kill him. So they had to get the permission of Rome to kill him. If they would have just murdered him there, then they would have gotten in trouble. And so to do that, to, to, to get the death sentence for Jesus, they had to get permission from Rome, and so he is taken to Pilate who was the Roman governor of Judea. In order for the Roman government to convict Jesus, they had to have charges against him that directly violated Roman authority. No way would Rome ever sentence someone to die just based on the fact they claimed to be the son of God. They could care less about that. So the charges that the religious leaders brought against Jesus were, number one, starting a riot Number two, forbidding people to pay their taxes. And number three, his claim to be king. After everything is said and done, Pilate questions him. He finds no reason to kill Jesus. So because the crowd is starting to get restless, he decides to send him to his higher up, the king of Judah, which is Herod. Herod questions Jesus at length. Jesus says nothing. However, wanting to avoid political liability because this mob is forming, Herod washes his hands of it and sends Jesus back to Pilate. This would be the last trial that Jesus would face before he went to the cross. And we just read the details of this trial a moment ago in Matthew chapter 27. So he's standing before Pilate a second time. Pilate feels like he is innocent. And so in a final effort to set Jesus free, Pilate comes up with a plan. And he offers the prisoner Barabbas to be crucified, which was a ruthless criminal that probably st- caused pain and suffering to many that were in this crowd. He, he offered for him to be crucified and Jesus to be released, but that backfires. The crowds instead call for Barabbas, this guy that has harmed them, probably did physical harm to their families. They call for him to be released and Jesus to be crucified. That's how much they hated Jesus. This is when we see the first basin. Chapter 27, Matthew, and verse 24 again. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. Pilate had a responsibility to release a man that was innocent. There was a need in front of him, and he ignores the need. He walks over to the basin of neglect, and he washes his hands of the injustice that was right in front of him. So basically, he ignores the need, and he walks away. The second basin we see leading up to the death of Jesus on the cross is seen just before this in John chapter 13. Here's what John chapter 13 uh, and verse 1 says. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Verse five, then he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Okay, let's break this down. At this time in history, walking walking was very common or, or, or donkey or camel or something like that. But a lot of people would wear, either go barefoot or they would wear sandals. And at this time, the, the, the roads of Israel were, were, were not well maintained like our roads here today. And so the feet would get very, very dirty when people would walk. And so it was imperative, this was just the normal custom, that, feet, that the feet would be washed before a meal especially because when you ate a meal, people would recline at a low table to eat. In this day, when a person would eat a meal, they would recline with their shoulders and head towards the table, and then their feet would be away from the table. It would have looked something like this. This will give you an idea of what a table would have looked like. It's not those famous paintings that you see of the Last Supper where everybody's sitting around a nice table like we have today. So because of this, the cleaning of the feet before a meal was very important and it, because they were relatively close to the table, and it was a nasty job. This job was reserved for the lowest servant in the house. So let's set the scene. Jesus and his disciples are getting ready to eat. They just come into the house. Their feet are dirty. There's no servant available to wash their feet. So there is a need in front of them. None of the disciples want to do this because in their eyes, they are above this type of work. After all, they are disciples of Jesus himself. Just put yourself in that room. Somebody has to wash their feet before they eat. I can just see them there making small chat with one another, another, completely ignoring the elephant that's really in the room. I wonder who's going to wash our feet. It's not going to be me. Jesus is watching this unfold, and he decides to show them, to teach them, the proper way that we should respond when we see a need in front of us. He fills the basin with water. He takes a towel. He kneels down, and he begins to wash the junk off of the feet of his disciples, this second basin is the basin of servanthood. Years ago in a Chicago neighborhood, true story, it made national headlines, a 15-year-old young man by the name of Christopher Searcy was playing basketball with his friends out on, a, out on one of the basketball courts when a group of gang members drove by and unloaded guns on them. Everybody hit the ground quickly, they were kind of accustomed to this type of, type of thing in that neighborhood. But one of the bullets hit Christopher and he fell to the ground instantly. So his friends, in a panic, they lift him up. They see he's, he's bleeding profusely. They lift him up and they did the best they can to carry him. Basically what they had to do was drag him until they got 35 feet from the entrance to the Ravenswood Hospital. When they get close to the hospital, they're tired, they're exhausted, they, they lower him down and they figure it's going to be faster for us to rush in and grab somebody, have them come out here and get him, than it would be just for us to drag him in. So, so they, 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 35 feet from the door, they drop him and they run inside to the hospital and they ask for help. The hospital staff refused to help him, saying that it was against the hospital's policy to administer aid to those outside of the hospital. So they chose to leave this young man 35 feet from their front door, bleeding to death. After hearing the decision of the hospital staff, a police officer runs into the hospital, he grabs a wheelchair, and he takes it out and he puts Christopher in the wheelchair. He then wheels this young man into the hospital, where then he was helped by the hospital staff. It was too late, however, and young Christopher died about an hour later. Again, this case made national attention. You might remember it. The hospital was sued and forced to pay $12.5 million in damages. You see, the hospital chose the basin of neglect. The officer chose the basin of servanthood. And I wonder tonight what it might have been for that young man if the hospital instead would have chose the other basin. I wonder tonight what our cities would look like if the people of God would choose the basin of servanthood. You see, we talk about the basin of servanthood. We hang pictures of this basin up on the walls of our home, but at the same time, We ignore the young man that's literally dying 35 feet from our front door. We talk about the basin of servanthood, but we choose instead to wash in the water of the other basin. We wash our hands in the basin of neglect and we say, I sure hope someone comes along and helps him. Let me tell you something. We are not going to be a church. We are not going to be a people that washes our hands in the basin of neglect. We are going to be a church that picks up the basin of servanthood. We are going to be a church that picks up the basin of servanthood and we are going to get our hands dirty serving the people of our community. We are not going to just sit back in our comfort comfortable pews and just talk about it while people are literally spiritually dying 35 feet from our front door we are going to be a church that sees the need and responds with action jesus himself came to this earth not to be served but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many And that's why we're here on a Good Friday, because Jesus picked up the basin of servanthood and he carried it right to the cross. I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up at this time. So I want to ask you as they're preparing, which basin have you been carrying? Do you say that you're a person that sees the needs of others and you turn a blind eye? Or do you respond and serve them? It's true, the basin of servanthood is the tougher basin to carry because the basin of servanthood requires sacrifice. It'll cause you to maybe surrender something and give up something. But what do you do when you see a need? There are two basins but you can only choose one. You have the choice to ignore the need or you can serve the need. Which basin are you washing from tonight? I challenge you tonight when you leave this place in honor of the greatest servant that died on the cross and gave his life for you and I. If you're not all ready to pick up the basin of servanthood don't ignore the needs of the people that God places in front of you. Serve them the best you can. You might be limited, but you can serve them. Maybe in some area. You never know, it might just be the reason that someone accepts Christ and it changes their life forever. We're going to close this service tonight with a worship song and then I'm going to come up and I'm going to lead communion before we leave tonight, but as we sing this final song, here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit how this message applies to you. I want you to, I want you to really, as we're singing this song, turn it to just tune in to God and say, God, how do you want me to respond to this message? Maybe as you speak that and as you're, as you're worshiping God tonight, maybe He'll give you an image of a person He wants you to serve. Maybe that you've been neglecting. Maybe it's because of the disciples that you feel like you're above that need. We're never above a need. I've scrubbed carpets. I've scrubbed toilets. Just because I'm the pastor, I'm never above a need. I'm a servant. And if we all have that mentality where we're washing from the basin of servanthood, we will change our community. We will change our city. Maybe God speaks to you tonight and He wants you to get involved in one of our many outreaches, outreach programs that we have on here in the church. Maybe in our food pantry our Wednesday night or, or our buses on Sunday morning or whatever it might be. Our kitchen on Sunday morning or our clothing closet or several different areas to serve. So I just want to encourage you tonight as we go into this last song that you just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. I want to encourage you to dump out that basin of neglect and pick up the basin of servanthood. Let's worship our King tonight. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. Go ahead, team.
1: Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine, oh what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of of his spirit, washed in his blood. So She G-
0: And, uh, take your communion packet out. While you grab that out, um, go ahead and peel the thin layer of plastic off the top. Take the take the piece of bread out, the little the little cracker. Just hold it. We're going to take this together here in just a second. You know, before Jesus went to the cross, he was in that upper room with his disciples. And He gave us, He gave them a practice, He demonstrated to them something at that moment that we could do as believers until He returns, He said. And that's what we're doing right now. And so He took a piece of bread and He broke it and He passed the bread around to His disciples and He said, this bread represents my body that's going to be broken and beaten for you. He said, the reason I want you to do this ever so often is in remembrance of me. I never want you to forget the body that was broken and beaten for you. So ever so often, I want you to get together. I want all the, I want the believers to get together, and I want them to do this. I want them to, to eat the bread in remembrance of me. And then he passed a cup around to his disciples, and he, as they drank from the cup, he says, this cup represents my blood which is gonna be poured out, which is gonna be spilled for you for the forgiveness of sins of all mankind. And he said, I want you to do this as well in remembrance of me. You see, Jesus gave us something that we could practice that would always bring us back to that moment when he gave his life for you and I. Because it's the greatest sacrifice, it's the greatest act of servanthood And so this is our way to come back to that place and just simply remember. So as we eat the bread tonight, I want you to remember and focus and thank God for the body that was broken. For he says, by my stripes you have been healed. And then when we drink the cup to remember the blood that spilled off of the cross onto the ground, for without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sins. And so tonight, we're going to remember that sacrifice on this Good Friday service, 2022. So get the bread ready. I'm going to pray for it. And we're going to eat it together tonight. Father, we thank you tonight for the sacrifice of your son. We thank you, Jesus, for surrendering your life we thank you for surrendering and serving us in this greatest way possible. You allowed them, God, to whip you. You allowed them to spit on you. You allowed them to beat you, to punch you. You allowed them to to have to force you to carry your cross to the place they called the skull. You were weak, you were tired, At any time, you could have stopped it, but you chose to endure because we were on your mind even then. And so tonight as we eat this bread, we remember the body. We remember your body that was broken, beaten, and scourged for our sin. And we thank you for it tonight. In Jesus' name, let's eat the bread together. Go ahead, take the top off the, the juice. And Jesus, we thank you for the blood tonight. For without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. Because you shed your blood and paid the ultimate sacrifice once and for all. You are the Lamb of God that took away the sins of the world. And God, we have hope because of the price that you paid. Because of the blood that was spilled. And even though we're here on this Good Friday... We know how the story ends. We know, God, what happened the the next few days when you rose from the dead. Death could not hold you. Death could not defeat you. You defeated death, hell, and the grave. And so tonight, God, as we, we drink this cup, let us remember the blood that was spilled for us. In Jesus' name, let's drink the cup together tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Can we just play through that song with that, that chorus one more time?
1: Oh, what a Savior, wonderful Jesus.
0: know i wasn't going to do this but i i really feel like god's prompting me to do this tonight could you just for a moment just close your eyes just stay standing there we're just about done but i believe that there's some we could have some people in here tonight that you need god in your life and you need him in your life bad maybe you come in here tonight with a family member maybe you just walked in on your own. You see it advertised on social media or whatever, but I want you to know that you're in here tonight because God had ordained for you to be in here. And so I believe that there might be someone in here tonight that you just need to get your life right with God. And what a better night to do that than as the celebration of the greatest sacrifice that you and I have ever been given. Jesus paid the price and died on the cross for your sin. And so I believe that there might be someone in here tonight that you feel like there's something missing inside of you. You've tried to fill that void that you feel with the different things of the world. You've tried to fill it with, you've tried to fill it with money. You've tried to fill it with relationship, and all of that stuff seems to temporarily fulfill it. But then you wake up one day and you realize that you still have that void. You're still empty. The only one that can fill that is Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'll give you living water and you'll never thirst again. And so if you're in here tonight and you need God in your life, I want to give you a chance right now to get your life right with God before you leave this place. Every eye is closed. No one's looking around. This is this moment is just between you and God. And even if there's one tonight that says, that's me, would you pray for me, Pastor? Then this is worth it right here. So with your head bowed, what I'm going to do is Here in a moment, I'm going to count to three, and when I get to three, if that's you, if you say, I need God in my life, I want to pray for you, and just so I know who I'm praying for, when I get to three, I want you to raise your hand. I want to see your hand because I want to know who I'm praying for tonight. You're saying, I'm ready to surrender my life to God. I'm ready to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. On the count of three, I want to see your hand all over this place. One, two, three. Three, just lift them up, lift them up, lift them up. Yes, we're getting a few, thank you God. Thank you Jesus, I see your hand in the back there. Yes, Lord, I see him in the middle. Thank you God, you can put your hands down. Now those of you that just lifted your hand, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna say a prayer. I'm gonna say this slowly, the word of God tells us that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that he rose from the dead that we will be saved. And so, what we're gonna do tonight is we're gonna do that. We're gonna confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. We're gonna do that through a prayer. And so, I'm gonna say this prayer. I want you to repeat it out loud after me. Those of you that didn't lift your hand, I encourage you to say it with them, to encourage them. But let's say this together tonight, loud and strong. Say this Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you tonight and I confess that I'm a sinner. I have sinned against heaven I've sinned against you and so tonight Jesus I surrender my life to you tonight with my mouth I claim I profess that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my God and my Savior tonight Jesus I receive you as my Lord and I surrender to you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Thank you, Jesus, for setting me free. In Jesus' name. And everybody say.